Hopefully, the uh, we will have enough bandwidth to everyone will be able to see and hear uh, appropriately. Uh, one of the setbacks of living in the country here. Um, as before, I am going to uh, take away my video feed and just go with the slide presentation. Uh, hopefully to uh, conserve some of the limited bandwidth that we do have. So, Haribo. Today we're going to be discussing um, a couple of anuchedas from the middle of the Bhagavat Sandarbha, uh, dealing with the uh, nature of the Vaikuntha atmosphere and the residents that are there. Uh, again, in the context of discussing the nature of the Lord's intrinsic potencies. Again, we are still in the beginning three Sandarbhas. The three beginning three Sandarbhas primarily are a complete unpacking of this one verse, the Vedanti verse from the Srimad Bhagavatam. And Vedanti tat tat vavidas tat bam yaj gyanam advayam brahmeti paramatmeti bhagavaniti sabjate. And we are dealing with the now, uh, the content of the Bhagavat Sandarbha, 
And this is where Jiva begins to unpack these verses, explaining the nature of the the complete manifestation of the Lord and his various potencies and his associates. So he begins with Bhagavan. And in the Bhagavat Sandarbha, we did cover uh, before a couple anochetas that uh, highlighted the uh, Brahman aspect of uh, the absolute truth, Brahmati. And uh, the Paramatma aspect will be dealt with in its own Sandarbha, which we will, which is the third Sandarbha. So continuing with the Bhagavat Sandarbha and the explanation of the personal. So Jiva Goswami begins by first uh, delineating what is the absolute truth as seen um, in its non-dual manifestation without qualities. And then we look at the absolute truth and the various qualities that um, that are there uh, in his transcendental uh, form, name, qualities, pastimes, etc. So this term, even Bhagavan, and the six principal at- attributes, complete wealth, strength, fame, beauty, knowledge, and renunciation. So we continue now uh, with the 61st, of this Bhagavat Sandarbha. Uh, Vaikuntha is also part of Bhagavan's Swarup or his nature. Uh, quoting directly a little bit from the Anucheta itself, it was previously established that the Lord, that the Lord's abode is also part of his essential nature. In verses such as he showed Brahma his own planet, Vaikuntha, Nonetheless, for the sake of clarifying the topic for those who would otherwise misconstrue the absolute through aberrated intellectualism, we will demonstrate it here once again as follows. So Jiva's pointing out that it's kind of hard to comprehend from with a materialistic mind and mind-body complex fully this this idea that the Lord's intrinsic potency can manifest transcendental variety, including a whole atmosphere wherein he can exchange in a loving manner with his devotees and his associates. Well, they're all his devotees there. Uh, he can he can he can have that complete manifestation from his personal being it's part of his personal self his intrinsic nature this whole transcendental atmosphere we're not accustomed to that we're not uh, our general perception is there is a, a distinction between the the source of of a potency and the potency itself. There is a distinction. 
uh, like we we can we can understand there is a source of heat and light within our universe, but that source, the sun, is different from the manifestation of its energy. So when we speak of the Lord's transcendental energy and His transcendental nature, um, this distinction it's it's inconceivable. It's a chincha, uh, one and different. The Lord is all of these manifestations specifically in his transcendental realm. And that also extends into his, his marginal and his extrinsic potencies uh, in the material realm. But it's, it's a hard pill for us to swallow that there, there is this separation. Uh, well, this non-separation, but also the display of separation. So in the Anacheta, this 61st one, it continues, Bhagavan's abode being identical with the non-dual reality. So again, we go back to the Vedanta verse, uh, um, Advaya Jnana, this non-dual reality, his abode is identical with that reality, which displays itself according to the way it is approached by different um, uh, transcendentalists or those who have turned their consciousness away from the material realm and towards the transcendental realm. So he displays himself as Brahman, Paramatma, and Bhagavan. All right, we can wrap our head around this, but now his abode is also part of that non-dual reality. So we have to expand our, our, our thinking a little bit to be able to uh, comprehend uh, the, this, this nature of the supreme absolute truth. Cannot be attained by dualistic action, which is to say by result-oriented action, karma of any kind. So we may want to enter into that transcendental abode, but that is not possible from our side. There's nothing we can do because we are living in the world of duality, a world of karma, of pluses and minuses, of yings and yangs. Uh, anything here, there's nothing here that we can put our effort into that can afford us entrance into that transcendental realm. Going on, it is described in the Vedas as transcendental to the manifested cosmos. Three, it is glorified for the reason that those who attain it, being pervaded by its intrinsic nature, do not fall down to the material world. So those that do reside in that transcendental realm, there they are totally infused with that same transcendental potency, the Lord's internal swarup shakti. A few other items from the Sanocheta. It can be only, it can be attained only by one permanently established in freedom from the gunas of material nature. We can relate to that. 
The abodes of the Lord within the material world are also said to be transcendental to the gunas because of his presence in them. This being the case, Vaikuntha is certainly ascertained to be transcendental by the Fatori principle. Six scriptures declare that the Lord's abode is, by its very nature, beyond material nature. And seven, they declare it to be eternal. Eight, it is attained only by pure devotion, or in other words, by non-dual action that is causeless, uninterrupted, produces no extraneous effects, and is one in nature and orientation with the non-dual complete whole, Sri Bhagavan. Such non-dual devotion belittles even the bliss of liberation, which is merely the negation or absence of dualistic or result-oriented action. Here again, we could dive into to a complete unpacking of this idea of the of the nature of bhakti and how bhakti becomes available to us in the material world. And this is, this is all coming from the Lord's internal swarup shakti as it manifests in the world. And the Lord utilizes um, his pure devotees as the bestowers of that benediction of bhakti. Uh, so we could unpack as Sri Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur has uh, the stages of devotional practice and, and hone in on that very first stage wherein we are graced with the benediction of sadhu sangha, which is that which, is, which effectuates that turning of consciousness uh, whereby we can uh, enter into transcendental thought and uh, intellectualism eventually coming to this state of, of transcendental emotion. Nine, it is referred to as Satchitanandagana, a highly compact, compact mass of eternal being, consciousness, and bliss. So we'll go on to the 63rd Anucheta. We're going to, uh, I have not here in this presentation, um, and we will not go over entirely the 63rd Anucheta. We've picked out some highlights from both the Anucheta as Sri Jiva Goswami presents it in his Bhagavat Sandarbha, and we've also taken some highlights from uh, commentary on that uh, Anucheta, uh, dealing with the nature of Vaikuntha. So basically, this Anucheta makes it clear that there is a profound distinction between that realm and the material realm. And one who attains to that atmosphere does not fall from it. A few things from the Anucheta. Uh, no one falls down from that abode. Tato Skalanam. Sri Pilavit says, 
Thereafter, they do not hanker after any opulence stored for them by my Maya, nor for the eight ensuing yogic paranormal powers, nor even for the transcendental glory of God. And yet these benign gifts become effortlessly available to them in my supreme abode. Again, the causeless nature of, of the love that's expressed by the Lord's devotees for him um, and his reciprocation of that love is being highlighted here by Lord Kapila Dave. And the Lord, Lord Kapila Dave is pointing out that for my devotee, for one who's totally turned his consciousness towards me, given up all, all self-motivated actions, which are facilitated by my external potency, there's nothing, nothing, nothing that I have that is not at his disposal. I make everything available to him. He can attain anything material, and he's afforded all the, all the greatest powers that come uh, from the practices of yoga. And still, in spite of me giving all these gifts, my devotees, their taste for a loving exchange with me is all that motivates them in their existence. This is how transcendental my devotees become. In the Anucheta, Jiva says, here a doubt is raised. Jiva himself has raised that doubt. If Vaikuntha is just another planet, Loka, undistinguished from other planets like Siddha, Loka, and so on, then sooner or later, the experiencer's enjoyment of this realm will come to an end. In response, the following verse is spoken. And Kapila Dave continues. In that abode of unadulterated peace are found only those who know themselves and feel themselves to belong to me entirely. They will never meet with destruction. My unblinking wheel never devours those for whom I am the total beloved, their very self, son, friend, preceptor, relative, benefactor, and worshipable Lord. So, again... the nature of Vaikuntha is being highlighted here and, and completely unpacked by Jiva Goswami so we can gain some insight into that nature. Jiva presents a possible uh, scenario. Well, in the material realm, one can go up, and one can go down. And generally, when one attain, has some attainment in the material world, it comes to an end. But 
we can look to the Bhagavad Purana and we can see that this is not the case with Krishna's transcendental abode, Vaikuntha. The phrase Santa Rupe of unadulterated peace refers to the supreme abode, Vaikuntha, mentioned in the previous verse, which is peaceful by virtue, by nature, meaning that it is free from all change or alteration that could disrupt the continuity of peace. All those who reside there know themselves and feel themselves to belong to me entirely, matpara. They are never destroyed, na nangsyanti, which means they are never bereft of the aforementioned experiential possibilities. My unblinking wheel, i.e. my discus in the form of time, does not devour them. As stated in the Shruti, he does not return. Gita Upanishad also declares, O Arjuna, all planets up to the highest planet, Brahmaloka, are places of return, but one who attains to my abode never takes birth again. So Krishna's made it clear, and the Bhagavat Purana has made it clear through these various narrations. Kapila Dave has made it clear that there is no there is no no diminishing in that transcendental realm in other words although everything is given to the residents of the vaikuntha atmosphere everything that's imaginable is available to them it is ever ever increasing and satisfying it is a place of unadulterated peace the peace does not end the pleasure does not end, and the enjoyment in that realm in serving the Supreme Lord does not come to an end. In comment, here again, this is Jiva's verse, uh, Anucheta itself. In commenting on the name Parayana in Sahasranama Bhasha, Sankaracharya writes, that abode is supreme, para. Or in other words, most excellent, from which there is no going, meaning wherein there is no fear of return. And so it is called parayana. If the term appears in the masculine gender, then it should be taken as a ahuvrihi compound, as an epitaph of the Lord, rendering this sense, the Lord whose supreme abode is free from return. Freedom from fear of fall or destruction is not the full extent of the devotee's glories. Sri Kapiladev elucidates further in the second half of the verse. Those for whom I am the total beloved, their very self, son, friend, preceptor, relative, benefactor, and worshipable Lord, this means that for such devotees, there is no entity other than me, the Lord, for whom their love exists. Alternately, alternatively, the statement can be taken as a reference to Galoka instead of Vaikuntha, because only, these, only there do the gopas, 
endowed with the full range of such attitudes eternally reside. And again, the last two lines of the verse can be taken as a reply to the question, what kind of people attain that abode after being freed from ignorance? The idea is this. Some people, like the sages described in the Uttarakhanda of the Padma Purana, desire me as their beloved husband, while others, like the four Kumars, consider me as their very self, Atma, directly as Brahman, yet others relate to me in other ways mentioned. Only such persons who know themselves as belonging to me entirely through any of these dispositions can attain Vaikuntha. The word suhrida, bosom friend, is in the plural because such friends are of various kinds. In other words, the, the term suhrida in the verse, although we, it could be translated as bosom friend, Jeeva's Jiva's pointing out that this is indicative, an indicator of all the various relationships that are available with the Supreme Lord in that transcendental abode. So all the different primary staibavs or relationships to, with the Lord are covered by this terminology in the verse. Srinarda speaks in a similar vein in the fourth canto, those established in unadulterated peace who are um, equanimous, pure, and who please all other living beings effortlessly go to that abode from which no one falls. For they keep friendship with the dear devotees of the infallible Lord. Now we're going to end in, enter into a little bit of commentary and um, deal with specifically uh, because of the nature of um, contemporary Gaudiya thought and how there are misconceptions regarding falling from Vaikuntha, we want to deal with that a little bit comprehensively um, today in the second half of this presentation uh, so that we can see how those misconceptions and those statements dealing with falling by with Vaikuntha are not the Siddhanta of the Gaudiya Vaishnav Sampradaya, but are rather were rather employed as uh, necessary in the initial presentation of Krishna consciousness uh, to the Western world. Uh, I'll do my best to explain this. Uh, this was propounded uh, when by the Acharyas, Bhaktivedanta Bhakti specifically, um, in, in dealing with a Western mindset, uh, but it has to be seen and reconciled with the core Siddhanta as presented by the seminal acharyas, Sri Chaitanya and his direct uh, followers, and those that, ex that really canonized uh, uh, the philosophy uh, of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. 
So from the commentary in this section, Sri Jiva Goswami proves that no one falls to the material world from Vaikuntha. In other words, Vaikuntha is Achyuta Pada, a place devoid of fall down. Anucheta 61 established that Vaikuntha is not attained by karma since it is beyond time, which destroys everything achieved by karma. Time, however, does not influence the transcendental realm. Thus, Sri Kapila Dev instructs his mother, the wheel of time devours neither, neither the devotees residing in Vaikuntha nor their opulences. If a jiva could fall, then Vaikuntha must be concluded to be like any other material place. Sri Jiva Goswami begins by categorically saying, Tato skalanam, skalanam. Those, there is no fall from Vaikuntha. Since Jiva Prabhu is discussing the inherent nature of Vaikuntha, it is understood he is not referring only to those devotees who go there from the material world. No Shastric evidence indicates that there is any distinction between the devotees who arrive in Vaikuntha from the material world and those who have been there eternally. Vaikuntha manifests its inherent nature uniformly to all the resident devotees. It is not that it is a place of anxiety for some and a place of peace for others. Vaikuntha's uniform in nature and all, all the residents there are fully transcendental. Yes, there are those that are that have eternally been and are actually manifestations of the Lord Swarup Shakti. There are jivas that have never fallen, not fallen, but never, never been subjected to the Lord's external potency. And of course, there are those jivas who have been blessed by the internal potency and provided an opportunity to enter into that transcendental realm. Once there, though, all those, all those living entities serve the Lord and are looked upon equally. No resident of Vaikuntha falls to the material world. Sri Kapila submits two reasons for this in the second verse. First, time has no influence in Vaikuntha. The second and more important reason is that all residents of Aikuntha have an eternal loving relationship with Bhagavan, Stai Bhav. This relationship is not material and is never lost or covered. Beyond that, Sri Jiva Goswami says that the Lord has so much love for his devotees, Vatsalya Visesa, that he gives them all opulence even though they do not desire it. Hence, there is no possibility that anything could violate the will of the Lord to deprive the devotees of their opulence. Now, we're going to look at it in a comprehensive way, dealing with particular... Uh, dealing point by point with the nature of the, the fall vod or falling into the material realm. How is that possible? How could it be possible? So 
we'll just take a look at six conditions um, that are often thought to proceed a fall down, followed by a discussion of those conditions in greater detail, not in extensive detail. Extensive detail would be a few classes on each one, but let's just go kind of, again, we're trying to get to the Krishna Sandarbha, but I feel that there's such important points to be brought out from the Tattva, Bhagavat, and Paramatma Sandarbha uh, that will enhance our, further enhance our understanding of the Krishna Sandarbha when we get there. So number one, let's look at this idea that the jiva wishes to come to the material world inspired by his free will. Basically, this would be the idea of the Abrahamic traditions, original sin. You're with God, you're in the Garden of Eden, and all of a sudden, you want to taste the fruits. Why is that kind of an expression of the of free will not ever taken up by those who reside in Vaikuntha. So let's look, number one. It is not possible for a devotee to fall from Vaikuntha for any of these reasons. Here is one, and now we'll deal with, here is why. Here's the first one. The devotee's very nature, Swarup, is to be in undiminishing, unbreakable, all-consuming love for God. To long only for his bliss through naturally arising service in devotion. Such devotees do not desire material or spiritual opulence without devotional service. Because, in fact, they desire nothing independent of Bhagavan, their will, too, being of the same transcendental nature, exists simply for the pleasure of the Lord. So their whole being, those that reside in Vaikuntha, is, is all it's all consuming, as pointed out here. They only want to serve and please Krishna. And conversely, Krishna only wants to serve and please them. It's, it's a reciprocation of, of love, which is which is so extreme that until we have actually tasted it ourselves, <laughs> um, our whole devotional practice is based upon the ideal of that love as exemplified in the character of our sadguru, the sadhus that are more advanced than we are and seeing how their love is de developing and how they're expressing that love so much so that to simply hear their dialogue on the transcendental, um, on transcendence, it, it captures our intellect. It softens our heart. It draws us away from the external 
energy away from our our mind-body complex and changes the whole intent of our being. And eventually, as we advance, we will be afforded the opportunity to taste that love directly. But in the beginning, just seeing it in others, just hearing about it in Scripture, just associating with those that aspire for it is enough to end our material existence. So just imagine attaining the high platform of Nista in practice. When one becomes steady in their practice, they, they don't even they don't even want to enjoy separate from Krishna and his associates and, and so and they're still in the practicing phase. So what to speak of one who's reached the perfectional stage? Furthermore, spiritual opulences, and for that matter, even material opulences are fully available to them as experiential possibilities at every moment. By the mercy of the Lord, mama maya yachitam. So why yearn for that which eternally sits in the palm of one's own hand? Krishna's devotees, situ- wherever they're situated, but even the, specifically the devotees that are that have attained the Vaikuntha atmosphere and are no longer influenced by ignorance, they have every every possibility of enjoyment is at their disposal. The land that they inhabit is the land of Chintamani. The cows that they milk are Kamodenu. They get whatever they can conceive of is available to them. But there's a unique characteristic of what they conceive of. All all that they want is more and more facility to reciprocate and please Krishna in unadulterated love. That's the unique characteristic of that Vaikuntha atmosphere. Again, we're still dealing with why would you miss, why, why would you even think of misusing your free will and taking a bite of that apple (laughs) in the, and, and that's, that misuse of free will does not even enter. The commentary goes on. Elsewhere, Sri Kapila states, without being assured of my service, a pure devotee does not accept any kind of liberation, whether it be residence on the same planet with me, salokya, opulence equal to mine, sarsti, Proximity to me, samipya, endowment with a form identical to mine, swarupya, or being one with me, a katvam. Even though I may offer these to him. So what to speak of wanting to come to the material realm, even when I offer them the highest opulences in the transcendental realm of being on my planet, having everything that I have, all my opulences, being with me, and having a form like mine, 
if the if it does not further their sense of love for me, then they'll have nothing. They have no interest, nothing to do with it. Sri Parikshit confirms this while speaking to his spiritual teacher. A person whose heart has been washed clean never abandons Krishna's lotus feet. Like a traveler who has arrived home, he is relieved of all distress. For Vaikuntha resident to give up Bhagavan's service and voluntarily come to the material world is highly illogical and against scriptural conclusions. Another consideration, if abandoning one's acquired and hence spurious, <clears throat> spurious material nature is so difficult, how much more difficult would it be for a resident of Vaikuntha to give up his eternal and hence true nature, the nature of love, and serve the all-conscious, all-blissful, all-encompassing being to whom we eternally belong. Freedom of will does not mean acting frivolously, nor does it imply having the power to manifest whatever it is one may desire. How would a Vaikuntha resident choose something that is altogether outside their range of experience and interest? Interesting point. Why we're in the material world? We create an atmosphere to satisfy ourselves. This is the nature of our existence. We are all seeking pleasure eternally. Now, if you're in the material world, how difficult it is to turn our consciousness to the transcendental realm, to, to, to give up those attachments. Now you're talking about taking up residence in the transcendental abode where everything is available to you all the time in, in total loving service to Krishna. There's nothing lacking. You, you lack for nothing there. Now here we lack for so many things. We're striving day in and day out to attain this and to attain that and to make a perfect arrangement for a perfect marriage and children and lives and jobs and, and, and everything, our perfect wealth and bank balance. We're striving so much for that. In Vaikuntha, that's all available to us all the time under every circumstance. And we've... We, why would we why would we give that up it it there's no logic to that kind of an argument especially in lieu of what we know uh just as beginning spiritualist aspirants um well but what if he commits sin there is no possibility of committing sin in the spiritual world Sin and piety exist only in the material world, being both products of the gunas of nature. A devotee in the spiritual world is situated in his eternal inherent nature, swarup, free from material covering or ignorance. Mukti means to give up the subtle and gross bodies and become situated in one's original nature. 
Another consideration, if a batting, uh, looks like I copied a slide one too many times. The next item, he is cursed by a devotee of the Lord. Okay. There is no possibility that a devotee would curse another devotee in Vaikuntha. A devotee never desires to harm anyone, what to speak of another devotee. Prahlad Maharaj says the devotee is endowed with all auspicious qualities. We take the example of Prahlad. If there was anybody who, who had justification for cursing someone, it was Prahlad Maharaj and all that he was put through by his father. But no, what was his, what's his consciousness? And he's situated in the material realm. His consciousness is when he's ready to enter into the Vaikuntha atmosphere, where's my dad? What about him? There are some stories in the Puranas wherein devotees curse each other, but this is just to set the scene for the unfolding of Leela. And not truly, there's no true inimical feelings in those. The fourth and fifth items, he offends a devotee or he offends the Lord. Thus, he's sent to material life. Four and five, a perfected devotee never commits an offense. Offenses are committed due to ignorance, resulting from forgetfulness of the Lord. Offenses, aparad, means to act, means an act that causes displeasure. A siddha devotee never forgets the Lord, and he never desires to displease him. He thus never commits offenses, knowingly or unknowingly. He is guided by the internal potency of Bhagavan, just as a conditioned being is always under the influence of the external energy. The internal energy is always favorable to the Lord. And the sixth possibility of coming to the material world, the Lord decides to make him fall, as he is free to do as he likes. The last possibility is that Bhagavan himself sends a devotee away. This is also impossible, except in cases where he deliberately sends one of his eternal companions to the material world for the purpose of assisting him in his pastimes. The Lord positively told Dorvas Muni, O oh, Brahmana, I am completely under the control of my devotees. As if I had no independence at all, my heart has been fully captivated by my virtuous devotees, for I am their only beloved. I am the heart of the devotee, and they are mine. They know nothing other than me, and I nothing other than them. So this whole series of verses from the 63rd to the 68th of the fourth chapter of the ninth canto of the Bhagavatam, in, he, in those, I didn't put them all in here, but the whole series of verses is Krishna, if we look at all of them as one set, I've just taken the beginning and the end, but we see truly what is the heart the heart, the loving heart of Krishna in relationship with his devotees. The truth of the matter is Krishna loves his devotees 
more than he loves himself. <laughs> he lives for his devotees. They are mine. They know nothing but me, and I know nothing but them. More than myself, I know my devotees. I'm going to try to end here with a little bit of the explanation of how this fall of the jiva issue was dealt with by my spiritual master, His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, in his books, and also how he also made other statements that could be contrary to the Siddhanta in presenting Krishna consciousness uh, to those in the Western mindset. So to get to the heart of the matter, we need to go to that section of the Bhagavatam where this issue is dealt with specifically. And what were Srila Prabhupada's commentary on those verses where it is dealt with specifically? And here we go. Maharaj Yudhisthira inquired, what kind of great curse could affect even liberated Vishnu bhaktas? And what sort of person could curse even the Lord's associates? For unflinching devotees of the Lord to fall again to this material world is impossible. I cannot believe it. So Yudhisthira's heard about the cursing of Jaya and Vijaya. And he's saying, how is this? Actually, he's, this is all, this is all developing in, in, from Maharaj's, Maharaj's Yudhisthira's inquiry. The bodies of the inhabitants of Vaikuntha are completely spiritual, having nothing to do with the material body, senses, or life air. Therefore, kindly explain how associates of the personality of Godhead were cursed to descend in material bodies like ordinary persons. So Sisupal has been dispatched and everyone's observed this transcendental light coming up from his body and entering into Krishna. And how is this possible? This, this person that's so inimical has entered into the Lord. How can this be possible? And then the explanation follows. And that explanation is, is quite detailed in dealing with uh, the incident of Jaya and Vijaya and their falling to the material world, apparently under the curse of the Kumars. And Yudhisthira is just like, what? How's that possible? They fell from Vaikuntha? He can't believe it. it it's not. It, it. So we come to Srila Prabhupada's commentary on this verse. Remember, this verse is dealing with 
specifically the fall down of something by, from Vaikuntha. And Prabhupada writes in his purport, any pastime conducted by the Supreme Personality of Godhead is an arrangement by Yoga Maya, not Mahamaya. Therefore, it is to be understood that when Jaya and Vijaya descended to this material world, they came because there was something to be done for the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Otherwise, it is a fact that no one falls from Vaikuntha. Then we go back to the third canto, the same subject is being discussed. And Prabhupada says there, the conclusion is that no one falls from the spiritual world or Vaikuntha planet, for it is the eternal abode. But sometimes, as the Lord desires, devotees come into this material world as preachers or as atheists. In each case, we must understand that there is a plan of the Lord. Lord Buddha, for example, was an incarnation, yet he preached atheism. There is no God. But actually, there was a plan behind this, as explained in the Bhagavatam. Again, we go on to another verse from the third canto. The verse reads, the Lord then said to his attendants, Jaya and Vijaya, depart this place, but fear not. All glory is unto you. Though I am capable of nullifying the Brahmana's curse, I will not do so. On the contrary, it has my approval. Purport. Ordinarily, there is no possibility that the four sages could be so angry with the doorkeepers, nor could the Supreme Lord neglect his two doorkeepers, nor can one come back from Vaikuntha after once taking birth there. All these incidents, therefore, are des were designed by the Lord himself for the sake of his pastimes in the material world. Thus, he plainly says that it was done with his approval. Otherwise, it would have been impossible for inhabitants of Vaikuntha to come back to this material world simply because of a Brahminical curse. This is also exemplified the transcendental nature of these, uh, these leelas, uh, Jaya and Vijaya. Actually, it was expansions of Vijaya and Vijaya who entered the material world. Just like it was an expansion of Sita, who was captured by Ravana. Sita could not be captured. And Lord Chaitanya himself attained the scriptural evidence to satisfy a Ram Bhakta in this regard, who was overcome with, with so much grief because Sita had been captured. And even we look to the Brahma Vimohan Leela. It's pointed out there that the calves and cowherd boys that were actually stolen by Brahma were facsimiles because Brahma and all the power that he has, his, his shaktis are coming from his material position. No material energy has any influence on the residents of Vaikuntha.
and what to speak of the the it, it's it, it's just not it's not a possibility so this whole idea is it's unfortunate that some gaudias have taken statements made in order to draw people into krishna consciousness who are who are not yet qualified enough have not yet developed the fine discrimination to appreciate that the the subtleties of anadi karma because those subtleties of anadi karma really need to be fully unpacked and understood otherwise the new stotika may want to place blame upon the lord oh you've created a realm where jivas are eternally in suffering yes and he's created an opportunity that they can leave that realm with their free will so they can turn their consciousness and he's coming again and again to do that to give them that opportunity either himself or he's sending his devotees yada yada he dharma shall let me give you dharma that dharma will purify your consciousness and you'll th- see things the way they are so this fall vod and the acceptance of it as as gaudiya siddhanta is unfortunately akin to the acceptance of the mayavad philosophy and that may sound rather harsh but if you think about what's being said in the acceptance of this fall vod and putting it forth as siddhanta you're basically saying that um the lord's potencies can be overtaken by maya and that's basically what although it's dealing with brahman their whole idea the mayavadis they don't have the proper conception their improper conception says that the whole manifestation of the material world is brahman being influenced by the modes of material nature and that's why it's called mayavadi maya overtaking the lord shaktis when in essence there is there are those that aspire for brahman realization but there's a proper way and there's improper way the proper way is accepting the scriptural conclusions and practicing according to those conclusions and then one is with a touch of bhakti granted granted that facility for that spiritual attainment of the supreme that aspect of the supreme unfortunately the mayavad philosophy is that the maya has overtaken the supreme and therefore put the supreme into ignorance because the jivas are in essence 
the supreme Brahman. So how is that possible? That's not the proper conception. That's why it's referred to as Mayavad. It's an improper interpretation. And only someone as powerful as, she, as Shiva could, could put it forth. We should not try to become imitated. We should not imitate the high position of Shiva and try to put forth into Gaudiya Vaishnavism, Vaishnavism a concept which is contrary to the true Siddhanta uh, of our Sampradaya. Just because such statements were made in order to such statements were made which had a preaching necessity at a particular time, place, and circumstance. So it can become very dangerous for us to, to propagate this uh, philosophy of falling from Vaikuntha and what to speak of, of fully accepting it and even worse, institutionalizing it uh, with some foolish law. With that, I will stop before I get too carried away. Does anyone have any questions in this regard? I guess you all agree then. Go ahead. I, I heard a uh, uh, nice, uh, like interesting explanation about the Bhoma Lila of Krishna. That so I'm interesting that when Krishna is here, for example, like uh, doing pastimes on Earth, and like all this, the, the, the grass is attracted to him, and is that place where the uh, the Jiva journey starts to Krishna, or, or how to understand this like, Pomalila in connection? I don't know if I fully understand your question. Uh, Anadi karma is the proper uh, conception of the Jiva's um, existence. As Krishna explained to Arjuna, uh, never was there a time when I did not exist, nor you, nor all these kings. So it's kind of hard for us to, to put between our ears the fact that there was never a time. So it's not that the, the blades of grass were the first manifestations of the jiva. Uh, of course, that's there's the possibility of inhabiting a blade of grass. There is a jiva in every one. Uh, but it's that jiva can can go up or go down, and considering that that our existence within the material realm has no beginning, we've probably been there and back again unlimitedly. That's the proper way to understand our our siddhanta. That uh, this concept of anadi karma. 
Uh, you can get, gain greater insight into this uh, by going to um, uh, the Harmonist website. Guru Maharaj uh, posted uh, two articles there. Uh, so just search Anadi Karma and uh, also there's Anadi again. So I forget the exact names of those articles, but just type in Anadi and uh, read those articles. Those will give you a deeper insight. I know it's difficult for us to put between our ears this idea of, of beginningless uh, involvement in the Lord's external potency, but that is the proper siddhanta of our Gaudiya Vaishnava Sampradaya. Does that help? Uh, yes, thank you. I will look for it. I thank all of you for your kind association. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna.
Bande do patanatanam, bande do 